Welcome to Who Day Talk. Braden J here. Today we are going to discuss week four, what went good, what went wrong, and we're going to talk about offensive tackle prospects Trey Adams and Greg Little. So let's get into it. Let's talk about the Bengals game first. And man, that was a really fun game to watch, even with all roller coaster emotion. It was just a general fun game to watch. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely got the adrenaline pumping. Uh, I mean, I liked all from the offense. Uh, the defense, not as much. Tara Austin is still kind of struggling with the play calling. Uh, hopefully that's something he gets. He works on that. But, I mean, as of now, I think that's the main issue with our defense. Uh, on Twitter, I was talking with uh, one of my friends, and we were discussing how the defense as a whole has looked bad, but the, the cornerbacks in the defensive line – Individually, they've been fine, but it's just the play calling that kind of kills them. And the linebackers are just bad. But yeah. I mean, the the back four and the front four, that's just we're getting killed by the play calling. Yeah, and what I, I'm glad he brought that up because William Jackson, who undoubtedly probably had his worst career game as a Bengal, but when you look at a lot of times where he gave up the catch, I honestly blame Austin. It was as much as Jackson's fault, but Austin did not play to his strength, like. This might have been just really smart play calling on the Falcons side of the ball, but there's a there's a there's a they right Julio Jones on the outside William, and then Sanu on the inside and since it was only two wide receivers, Bengals had their four three base defense out there. They put William Jackson on the sl- in the slot against Sanu and that's not William Jackson's strength and Matt Ryan saw it and Sanu torched William Jackson for like a forty yard gain and well, the issue with that is, I mean, William Jackson, he's a he's a man corner. He's a bump-and-run guy. And in the slot, it's, a, it's really hard to do the bump-and-run thing, especially with the routes breaking as early as they do and as sharply as they do in the slot. When Where, yeah, where when you're outside, it's more there's more time for him. And he's he's a, he's really fast. I mean, that's a lot of his game. He, he plays aggressive, and then... If he gets beat a little bit, he has the speed to catch up. And in the slot, that's kind of hard for him to do unless it's, like, obviously, like, a fade or a streak or something like that. But, I mean, he does not – he should not be in the slot. He needs to be in man coverage or press coverage on the outside. And putting him in zone coverage, it's just – it doesn't make sense. I mean, we're a man – our outside corners should be in man. I mean, Dre, as bad as he is, he'd be much worse in zone. Yeah, and I'm glad he brought that up because I was just about to bring up the soft coverage. And as you said, William Jackson and Dre are both man. William Jackson is a much better press corner. Just let him press. I mean, when I was rewatching, and maybe I missed something, but I thought whenever he was in press against Julio, Calvin, Sanu, when he was on the outside, I thought he did much better than when he was in soft coverage. Yeah, I mean that's that goes back to Terrell Austin again. I mean that we're missing Gunther. We really are, and I know he just Gunther just gave up like thirty something points to the Brown or to the yeah to the Browns. Yeah. But I mean, back if he still had his old team, I think he'd be doing a lot better. And we I think we might be a top eight defense if Gunther was still here. And I know Marvin Lewis brought in Terrell Austin, probably thinking that he might be his successor. Uh, we all better hope that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, for sure. It'd essentially be Marvin Lewis 2.0 for another 15 years, and we don't need that. Yeah, and, like, you can make excuses for Austin. Like, he's still trying to get a feel for the defense, but he's just making mistakes on stupid stuff. Like, at this point, he needs to know that the 
press man-to-man coverage is what works better. And it's just his play calling is what's holding us back. Like, I I mean, you look at Kirkpatrick, the first four games, he's a, he's struggled, but I think other than the Panthers game, he's really not played horrible. Like, he gave up that long touchdown to Ridley, but I, that was really his only horrible play I saw against the Falcons. There's some yep. other third downs he gave up, but nothing that – Maybe you want to kill him, and it's just Austin's play calling. I mean, he's more – he's not a bad player. He's just an inconsistent player. Very uh, inconsistent. I mean, I don't know. It's just – it's tough. I mean, I think he can iron it out a little bit, but yeah. – I mean, a lot of it – I think we're all just kind of frustrated with the whole he can't catch a damn ball, and – I mean, he should have, like, five interceptions this season. And I think we're all getting caught up on his drop picks. And I'm guilty of that, too. And kind of counting that towards his bad plays corner other than his ball skills. And, I mean, he's a good corner. I mean, he doesn't deserve the money we just paid him. But he's a solid – he's a good cornerback, too, on any team. Yeah, I I completely agree. And just – I'm really hoping Austin can figure out. Because one of the things – like, when we first signed him, I – I loved that at the time because the one thing I saw in Detroit was he played to the player's strength, and he's just done the complete opposite of that this year. Yeah, I mean, it almost it looks like he's trying to make the Bengals' defense into that Detroit defense, in which I don't know why you would want to do something like that. I mean, it's, it just doesn't really make sense to me. I know he played, he, he's essentially just bringing the same playbook over, and he's using it play the same exact way and you can't really do that when you have different personnel especially when you're switching teams I mean yeah. I don't know I think we yeah yeah and that's the one thing I didn't like about Guthner I've always kind of felt like he was a little bit too arrogant with his play goal calling sometimes did what he wanted to do too much but he, he's making uh, but Austin's making Guthner look like an angel right now yeah I mean I don't know it is what it is hopefully that gets ironed out but um what did you think about the defensive line other than the roughing the passer calls? I mean, we had three sacks, should have been four, roughing the passer calls, still trying to figure out what that is. But ultimately, they played well. I mean, some people were wishing they would have gotten more sacks, but I really blame that more on the coverage call. Like, the Bengals were playing a lot of cover three. There were some times where it was just a op- – like, in zone coverage, there's always an open spot somewhere on the field. And Ryan was finding that really quickly, and – as I said, it was due to the poor coverage call and just some of our bad linebackers. Like Ryan could get the ball out quicker, and it's hard to get a sack when the ball's being released that quick. And and when it wasn't, and the Bengals weren't getting sacks, they were still providing pressure. There was countless times where I saw Geno just bull rushing either the left or right guard back into Ryan, forcing Ryan having to throw it quicker. Austin was getting pressure. I thought Dunlap was didn't have his best game getting pressure but you still had some pressures that I don't think everybody saw yeah I mean Dunlap is definitely more one of our more clutch players and I mean I think our defense line did good I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that the zone coverage is kind of hurting the defensive line and I completely agree just because I mean zone coverage is kind of designed to aid the quick passing game and when you have a good when you have as good of a pass rush as we have we really need to be in man more just because, one, we can trust our corners like William Jackson, and we can trust Dre and Dark Lee Zanard when, well, when Dre has safety help. But, 
I mean, we can trust them, yeah, but if you have an elite defensive line, you should be able to trust them more. And because you got to realize that the quarterbacks going to have less time on the ball or with the ball. And, I mean, that's just going to help everyone. So that, they need to run more uh, cover two, cover one. Uh, just as long as the corners, the man corners, are, or the outside corners are man or press, I'm happy. Yeah, and hopefully Burfitt coming back, that hopefully just do something to boost the defense. Maybe Austin will gain a little more confidence in play calling and man coverage. We'll see. I do have a little fear with Burfitt coming back. He might be out of shape. That's something that he's done before. Yeah, you never really know with him. Like, it was the last year the year before they said he came back in better shape than ever. I, that was probably two years ago because I remember <laughs> against the Dolphins, he lit it up. Which, ironically, two years ago, the Dolphins was his first game back. Yeah, but, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that is what it is. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, I think everything looked pretty well, except for, obviously, the Eifert injury. Oh, uh, he can't get a Ross break. in the offensive line, but that Eifert injury is nasty. Yeah, I mean, like, you can call him injury-prone all you want. That may be true, but this injury had nothing yeah. to do with him being injury-prone. That could have happened to anybody. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter who's out there. They're, no matter who had that ball at that spot, they're breaking. They're getting their ankle broken no matter what. There's nothing you can do about that. I know I've been harder than the past, but I can't fault him for that. I, yeah. mean, that was, I don't not, know if I want to call that a dirty hit. Maybe it was. but I don't think it was. I think he was just trying to make a tackle, and it's just an unfortunate, horrible event, I would say. Yeah, but, um, I mean, other than the Eifert, Ross, I mean, he obviously didn't play great, but he did have a touchdown, I believe. Yeah, he had 39-yard touchdown, great throw by Andy. Uh, Ross pulled his groin on that play, and that limited snaps in the fourth quarter. Like, after the touchdown, Ross had a, a really good toe-tag drag, which I thought it was A.J. Green for a second. The way he caught it, it was... The way he drags his feet was really, really good. But then Marvin just kind of held him back. Like, the groin, it was a groin injury. Those are tricky. He didn't want to a- aggravate it. So, on that last drive, we had Cody Corn Erickson in there. I believe Josh Malone might have been in there as well. Yeah, I think they were kind of mixing Erickson, Corn Malone. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I'm i surprised if he got that drive there with those three receivers. But, uh... I mean, Green had a great game. Boyd, Boyd proved that he can be a number one receiver on a team. I mean, he I believe he almost has 400 yards through four games. Yep. And he's on pace for like 1,300 yards this year. And obviously that's probably not going to stick. But, I mean, I wouldn't say I think 900 is definitely a possibility, a strong possibility. Yeah. And- wow. I, I do expect Green's yardage to pick up a little bit just because – I mean, Green's on pace for, like, how many? He has five touchdowns this year, right? Yeah, he's on pace for, like, I think, I want to say 1,100 yards. I, I could I, be wrong. I think it's less than that. I mean, I mean, he's on pace for over 1,000. I know that for sure. If, if it is over 1,000, it's slightly over 1,000. It's not too much. Hold on, um, I'm gonna, I'm, let's keep talking. I'm going to look that up right now. All right, but, uh, I mean, other than the wide receivers, um, we can expect Croft and Zama to get a little more active now that Eifert's gone. Um, the only other thing I have is Bobby Hart and Alex Redmond. Bobby Hart is not one of them. Yeah, and, and yeah, Bobby Hart needs to go. I saw from 
somewhere. It might have been PFF. might have been, like, Goodberry. But he allowed three sacks and an additional three pressures. Uh, a lot of people were criticizing Cordy Glenn, which I don't understand. Yeah, that last drive, he gave up back-to-back pressures. But other than that, he played good throughout the game. He was also against Vic Beasley, one of the better edge rushers. And I also read somewhere that apparently week two, and this could explain his struggles the past two weeks, he kind of hurt his knee. That's just kind of bugging him. So I don't know how much that's actually affected him, but that could be an explanation why he suddenly allowed a lot more pressures. See, there's a few options they could have realistically. I mean, I'm gonna I'm not gonna count Westerman just because Marvin seems to hate his guts. So realistically, <clears throat> two or three things could happen. I could see Price going to right guard when he returns and leaving Hopkins at center. I could see Price going to center and Hopkins going to right guard. And then I felt Fisher going to right tackle. That's the most likely thing. But I also think I've been saying this all pre or since preseason. I think Trent Hopkins is might be the best right tackle we have. He might I I think we need to give it a shot. Obviously, grappling still, but he might just give us our best shot at winning. We can plug Price back in at center, and then I mean, if they decided to put Westerman, we might we might be set if they put Price at center, Westerman at right guard, and Hopkins at the right tackle, or even if they put Jake Fisher at right tackle. I mean, we just need to find a way to get Bobby Hart out of there. And I mean, Redmond's a good player, but Redmond, he's really a backup. You can't rely on a guy like that. I mean, he has. He's been struggling with the holding calls a lot. He might have like six or seven already. Yeah, and he's ruined a couple drives now. That's just a stupid holding penalty. And I feel I need to rewatch all the times he's been called for holding. But most of them, he doesn't even need to hold it. It's just him making stupid mental mistakes. I feel like. Yeah, there was a one play last or in the Falcons game. Uh, there's a quick, like one read, uh, quick pass and. I mean, he held he held the ball or he held the uh, lineman, and Andy like was already throwing the ball when he held him, so it was completely unnecessary. And it's not like he was close to Andy at all. He was like a good three or four yards from Andy. And it just was completely pointless, and I don't know why he had to do that. But I mean, I don't know. That's those are my really only complaints about the Bengals game. Uh, that's all I really got. Yeah, I think I covered. So let's get into the draft portion of this episode today we're as said earlier going to be covering Greg Little and Trey Adams both offensive tackle prospects and those who get into it start us off Jay uh I'm, I'm gonna start off with Greg Little um I watched two games I watched the Alabama game and I also watched the LSU game um in the Alabama game I mean the things that really became apparent is his footwork is very 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 bad yeah. uh He's he's a he's pretty good in pass protection, but like right now he's he's a very strong player and he's winning purely based off the strength. And I don't he's not gonna be able to continue doing that in the NFL. He's gonna have to get that footwork and leverage down, and he just doesn't have that right now. So I mean he's a he's good in pass pro in college. I don't know if that if that's gonna translate very well in the pros. Uh, there's a few things I did really like about him. He has a very good redirect and. Great strength, as I mentioned earlier, but by redirect, I mean uh, when he's facing the speed rusher, he's good at 
punching that player outside and making him travel more distance to get to the quarterback. And I like that a lot. Uh, but <clears throat> later in the games, he does tend to get caught reaching a lot. And that can... I mean, that's obviously not good. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's pass protection-wise, he's a good player. Uh, but his main issue is versus the run. Uh, he's not a body mover at all. Uh, he's just he's just bad in general versus the run. I mean, yeah. just like in pass protection, he gets caught reaching. He his awareness is god awful. Um, it's just he doesn't know really know what the play is happening when he's uh, run blocking, and he's mainly just point and shoot. And I mean, that's pretty much all I got. I mean, he's really good versus hand moves. That's something I did notice. Uh, so like, I mean, if he's a Against someone like Carl Lawson, he might have a little bit of a, a little bit of success. But I mean, other than that, I mean, he's just—I see him as like a second-round guy. I mean, he's not very balanced at all. Uh, I don't know. I just—I'm not too sold on him. I know a lot of people have him very highly ranked. Uh, for me, he's a mid-second rounder and probably my sixth. Well, one, two, three, four, five, six or seventh offensive tackle, yeah. depending on Trey Adams' health, which I'll get to later. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. You nailed some of the things I took note of. His footwork is just awful, and um, and something else that I saw is that kind of goes with his uh, technique, but he gets his arms way too high sometimes, and that would just yeah, let... that's that too. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I have. I forgot to write that on, down on my list of uh, pros and cons, but. Yeah, yeah, that's something that hurts too. And just lets the defender just kind of knock him down and they're around the edge. And that hurts him in both the run and pass game. And with the run game, it's frustrating because he'll get to his opponent. He'll get, he'll have him blocked, but he just kind of stops. Like, if he just keeps pushing back, he can make the blocks. It's just poor awareness. Yeah, I mean, his awareness is probably, other than footwork, his awareness is probably his worst uh, trait. I mean, he. And this kind of goes hand in hand with the high hands, but uh, he's a very upright player. I mean, you see him standing up a lot, and I. This this is something I found really funny. Uh, I was watching a few plays, and two or three plays out of the two games I watched, like well, two games I like focused on him uh, specifically. He he like he was pushing guys like two or three yards back, standing completely straight. And uh, I just thought that was pretty amazing. It says a lot about his strength, but it also says that he needs a lot of work uh, footwork-wise. Well, not footwork-wise, sorry. Uh, I'm getting lower because in the NFL, if he tries doing that, a guy like Joey Bosa or a guy like J.J. Watts is going to put him on his ass. Yeah, and like th- I was reading somewhere like he teams might want to move him to guard if he can't kind of fix his edge issues, but like if he just standing straight up and not using this, and like he's very strong as we said, but his poor leverage, if he doesn't use that, then he's not going to work at guard. Yeah, I, I was going to say, I, I cannot see him playing anything other than left tackle. I mean, he's not good enough versus the run to play any other position. Um, I don't think he's that bad around the edge. I mean, he, he has pretty, his, even though he has bad footwork, he has a pretty good mirror. And as I said earlier, his redirect is probably one of my favorite things about him other than strength. Uh, I mean, I think he's just for for a guy who's so raw and he's I don't I I expect him to be a little more athletic, I guess. And that's something like 
Colton Miller was this huge athlete, and that's why he got drafted so high, even though he had really bad tape. <clears throat> so when I watched Greg Little, I mean, he's obviously not as bad as Colton Miller, but I expected a little more athleticism out of him. Yeah, agree there. So let's get to Trey Adams, somebody who a lot of people had going really high, then suddenly he just kind of came up unexpected before the college football season started. He first missed one game due to the back, and like a couple days later after that game, it was announced that he would be done for the season. So what did you see that you liked from him? Uh, I mean, I'm going to start with this. Last year he would have been my probably my first offensive tackle, maybe, maybe second, but it would, have been, it would have been really close, but he's a great player. I mean, this this year, he's probably going to slot in. He would, if he wasn't injured, he would slot in at that number two spot for me, probably a top 15 player. Um, he's, he's, I, there's a lot to like about him. I watched the Alabama game and the Kyle game, and he has very good feet, and that's probably one of his uh, better traits. He has very strong arms, a uh, great mirror, very aware of everything around him, uh, great awareness. And, he, I, I mean, against Alabama, like, I don't believe he allowed a single pressure. Jeez. I might be wrong on that. I might have counted wrong, but I, don't, I didn't see a single pressure against Alabama. And Alabama's probably the, one of the top ten pass rushing defenses in college football. Oh, for sure. Um, I, think he's, I think he's pretty athletic. He plays athletic. I don't know how he's going to test. Uh but I expect him to test very good in like, the three-cone and stuff and probably the bench press as well. Uh, he's not as strong as Greg Little, but he has a good initial punch, and he doesn't get driven back. And just like Greg Little, he does have – he stands upright, but for some reason he keeps his hands low enough where he maintains leverage. But at the next level, he's probably going to need to get down a little lower and bend it. He's a little more um, – he's powerful, and just like Greg Little, he's a good person. Good versus hands that can move, and I think he's a little better at that than Greg Little is. Um, I mean, other than that, I mean that's pretty much all I got about him. Got on him. Uh, he's he's a very good player. Definitely my if he was healthy, he'd be a top fifteen player, second offensive tackle, easily. Uh, he's very polished, and I could definitely see him if he didn't have those injuries that kind of clouds everything. I could definitely see him being a top five, top ten left tackle in the league. And the nice thing about him is he can move. I think he can play left tackle or right tackle. Or he might even be able to kick into guard. I would never do that to him. But that's how highly I think of him. I mean, he can play anything except for maybe center. But, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. You basically nailed all the points. And my main concern with him is going to sound pretty cliche, but injuries. Can he stay healthy? He suffered a game, a season end injury last year it happens before the season even starts this year it's just health is a major concern and with the Bengals I'm I mean I really like Allen's but is that somebody who you want to take your risk on in round one it depends on how late we pick honestly and who goes before uh, as I said I think he's a guy that let's let's play let's play a game and think we're going to be picking in the 20s. If we're picking in the 20s, Jonah Williams is realistically off the table. Um, other than Jonah Williams, it's kind of a toss-up. I mean, maybe, I think Yadi Kajusi ends up going before that too, but, I mean, <clears throat> as of now, I'd probably go, if we're being realistic, because I don't think Scott Francis is going to end up declaring, even though I have him ranked very highly. Um, 
So I think it'll come down to Risner or Kajusti for the Bengals at that if they're picking in the twenties. Because um, I don't think France declares. If France declared, I'd I'd be pushing for France very hard. But uh, I mean, we might even be able to snag France in the second round just because he's underrated. But I'd probably end up going between Risner and Kajusti and. Adams is probably, you're right, he's probably more of a second-round prospect right now just because of injuries, and we got burnt on a injured first-round tackle already, so I don't think we can really afford to get burnt again. I think that's more of a second-round pick. Yeah, I agree there. And, and so, what position should we do next week? Should we go to linebacker, or should we stay on the line with guard? I think we should do linebacker first, just because, I mean, I feel like guards, they're more underrated, I mean, they kind of pop up late in the season. So we can yeah. do linebackers next, and then after that we can maybe do, like, tight ends or quarterbacks yeah. or cornerbacks or yeah. something like that. But next week, you want us to do linebackers? Yeah, there's a lot of linebacker prospects that I like this year. I finally got a look at it, and there's a lot just based off the little I saw that I really like, and I'm excited to scout. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely eight or nine, maybe ten guys who deserve to be going in the top 50 or top 60. Uh, just off the top of my head, guys like Mac Wilson, Devin White, Devin Bush, uh, Patty Fisher, Cameron Smith, TJ Edwards, uh, Shaq Quarterman. Um, it's guys like that. I mean, maybe even uh, Tough Borland out of Ohio State, if he ends up declaring. Uh, he's a guy that a lot of people like. A lot of the guys like Kyle Krabs and uh, John Ledyard and people like that like him, like him a lot. I'm not, I go to Ohio State. I'm not really sold on him yet just because I mean I think I believe he's been pretty injury prone um, but yeah I mean other than that I mean after linebackers do you want to do probably end up doing quarterbacks or uh, guards or tight ends or something like that but yeah. we're trying to go in order of the positional needs for the Bengals yeah. just keep it a little interesting yeah and I feel like by the end of the year and who knows what we're going to do in free agency but I feel like the draft will ultimately come down to between who's the best player between a tackle and linebacker. And I think it ends up being tackle just because the Bengals really haven't been a team to take linebackers in the first round. Uh, hope Maybe that changes because, I mean, Bengals have looked a little different. Uh, some things never change, though. So, I think, unless it's too good too good of a pick, like, say, if it was, like, Mac Wilson at, like, pick 25 or something like that, maybe they go linebacker. But if I had to bet right now, I'd, I'd probably bet the picks and be, like, Offensive tackle, excuse me. Offensive tackle, um, maybe even tight end or cornerback. Yeah. Uh, I cornerback wouldn't be a terrible pick, just but I don't know. I'd, That'd be more replacing than upgrading. Yeah. So we'll we'll get to all that. We're gonna have a ton of scouting for you guys coming up. And thank you guys for listening today. If you enjoy this episode and you have friends that are Bengals fans, tell them about us. Spread the word because we wanna we wanna get a lot of people listening. And we think everybody will enjoy. So thank you guys for listening. Who day? Who day?